Friends, we are fast approaching. I don't know if you know this. Well, you probably do. We are fast approaching the anniversary of our new and committed relationship with Zoom and video chat. It is still hard for me to wrap my mind and my head around the kind of year we've had. And at first, it was just a chaotic attempt to reorganize and survive. And we kept telling ourselves to hold fast, that this is going to end soon. And then soon turned into less soon, turned into six months, turned into 11 months. And here we are almost a year into this. Um, and it's a, it's a challenge. And, and with the increased time um, for myself, increased time alone and increased time in my own house, I had to make some uh, some friends. And so I've already had these friends, but I started to invest in their friendship a little bit more. I'd like to introduce you to my first friend. I'm going to put them up on the PowerPoint. Um, this friend of mine, his name is Emo. Now, I named this plant Emo um, because he's really emotional. Um, all it takes is a couple of days of me not watering him and his, his limbs completely droop. Literally all the way down onto the table they sag. It's really depressing. Um, and then I pour some water in and in hours, like not even very long, I can actually watch everything go back up. It's amazing. Um, but he's very emotional. He communicates clearly his needs and what's going on in his life. Now, the next picture I've named, well, Actually, he doesn't really have a name, but we can call him uh, Are You Alive? <laughs> because, my friends, I don't actually know if this little cactus or succulent is alive. Um, so at first, everything seemed fine, and then I, I ignored it, and it seemed fine, and then I ignored it longer, and it still seemed fine. And then one day, it looked really thin, and its color was a little off, and I'm not actually sure how well he's doing. So, during this pandemic life, maybe you relate to emo. Um, maybe you relate to this plant. Um, a season, maybe, maybe if it related to emo, um, you're like the guy on the pogo stick with a yo-yo on a roller coaster being run by a two-year-old, and it's just like life has been nuts. It's been up and down, and it's been all over the place. Or maybe it started off that way for you, and now over time, it's slowly gotten easier, and, or you've started to settle in. Or maybe you're a little bit more like, uh, are you alive? Um, you feel like one of those hardy plants that's weathered well and has, even though you've gone unwatered and things have been challenging, you've just been staying good. Things have been coasting along really well. But then you started to just, you've started to notice that as life has marched on, maybe certain passions, certain convictions, certain ministries that burned bright have now gone a little dim. Now, don't hear me wrong. I know that for many of you, you still care deeply about your spiritual life. You care deeply about God's call on your life and where you're going and where you're headed. You're asking those questions, Lord, what am I up to? What am I supposed to do? But like a hardy cactus or a succulent, uh, you've lasted amazingly well, but now maybe you're starting to see signs of malnourishment. Um, there's an older song, well, older song. Um, for some of you, this is not old at all. 
Um, and it was one of my favorites back in 2002. Um, it was on Michael W. Smith's Worship Again album. And during this past week as I was preparing this message, and I was, I was being convicted by these very thoughts of, of where is my passion and what, where is my heart at with the Lord, this, these, these words came to my mind, and I'm just going to read them out to you. Jesus, I've forgotten the words that you have spoken. Promises that burned within my heart have now grown dim. With a doubting heart, I follow the paths of earthly wisdom. Forgive me for my unbelief. Renew the fire again. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on me. I have built an altar where I worship things of gold. I have taken journeys that have drawn me far from you. Now I am returning to your mercies ever flowing. Pardon my transgressions. Help me love you again. I have longed to know you and your tender mercies like a river of forgiveness ever flowing without end. I bow my heart before you in the goodness of your presence, your grace forever shining like a beacon in the night. It, it's easy for us to follow the paths of earthly wisdom. It's easy for us to begin to doubt God's kingdom call on our lives. It's easy to begin to look around or look within and wonder if we are wise enough, powerful enough, or influential enough. The passage of scripture selected for today speaks to this. The verse that we're going to watch lays out a divine truth that combats our self-doubt and can be a flame for God's mission in our lives. Let's watch as Danielle shares with us 1 Corinthians uh, 1, 26 to 31. Hi, I'm Danielle. Um, one of my very favorite verses or passages of scripture, actually, it's multiple verses, is 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, and the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, just as it is written, let him who boasts, boasts in the Lord. I love this passage of scripture because it gives me a lot of hope for how God works in my life. I love that all throughout the Bible, God uses people who are really unexpected and don't necessarily, they're not the most obvious choice that, um, that he would use for his glory or to spread his, his good news around the world. And so when I look through scripture and then I read this and, and in those moments where I feel quite weak or I feel like I'm not the smartest person in the room or whatever um, I'm feeling maybe insecure about, I love that God says, I can use you, I can work with you, I can um, walk with you and I will. Um, because it's for my glory. And then when God does that and there's miraculous movement through my life, even when I'm feeling really weak, he is so much more glorified um, than if I came in so ready to go and feeling very certain about everything. And so I, I love that. I love that in our weakness, he is strong um, and that 
He loves to use us right where we are. Thanks, Danielle. So good. Did you catch some of those statements that she made about how this passage combats our self-doubt and can fan the flame of God's mission in your life? Well, uh, uh, Danielle is going to actually come up a little bit later on and share more of her story and connection to this verse. So be ready for that. Those of you at home, do not go anywhere. You want to stay with me because that is going to be really, really good. I believe that she has a true, timely, and powerful word for us today. Um, so let's get into the text a little bit before that. So who doesn't want to feel powerful, respected, loved, honored? I, the list could go on. It, it's human nature, right, for us to desire these things. And the Corinthian church has, uh, is the same. They've, and they've always been drawn to power. So the Corinthian community and the Corinthian church has always been fascinated by the powerful, by the mysterious, and by those kinds of things. And on one hand, this was actually a, a wonderful thing for that early church. Um, their interest in this, on the positive side, was they were, they were looking into God's power and they were allowing God's power to shape their community and influence the city of Corinth for the kingdom of God. But at the same time, their interest in power, they were also drawn to and attracted to earthly status and power as well. That might sound a little bit familiar to a lot of us, simultaneously being drawn to what God's power is, but also drawn for self-interest. They even started to attach fame to particular leaders and then started to boast about which fancy pastor they followed. And Paul will have none of it. He is not interested in this kind of thinking at all. This interest in status, worldly wisdom, noble birth, and influence are all the things that the gospel has come to dismantle. And he says to them, think back to the beginning when you were first called. When you first heard about the foolishness of the cross and the weakness of Jesus on that cross. Culture says you need to be smart. You need to have influence and power. You need to have status. And according to the world, both then and now, if you believe in Christ, you're kind of pitied. You're like, ooh, okay, that's great. If you believe in Christ and you let him direct your life and you are active in your faith, the, the, the world looks at that as foolish. And Paul is reminding them and us that following Jesus will never actually be the popular path. Even throughout history, even when uh, the church was quite connected to culture and those things were seen as helping and mutually beneficial, even in those times when people let themselves be ruled by Christ, it was still not popular among the intellectual elite, the powerful, and the influential. So the question for all of us is, why is this actually good news for us today? How does this combat self-doubt? So since God has chosen the foolish, the weak, the lowly things of this world, we are not playing by the same rules as the world. We don't have to fight to climb to the top so that our worth is made, is made known. We don't have to accumulate wealth or we don't have to accumulate degrees to have value in God's kingdom. Because here's what's happened. God chose to do his work through people who were, from a human point of view, 
um, not very impressive. So when God chose those people and chooses us who are not that impressive, well, at least I can speak for myself, not very impressive, certainly in stature, um, God still works. So when Paul says, consider your calling, he wants them to remember, he wants us to remember that nothing you do, think, or say will impress God and gain you favor. You are not called because of those things. You are called because of who he is and his love for us. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 9, it says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. And then, in 2 Timothy verse, or chapter 1, verse 9, it says this, God has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. This is good news. These words are clear, and it's clear that again and again we see that Jesus, through Jesus, God saves us despite us, not because of us. Not as a result of our works, not as a result, it is not a result of that, but of who you are according to his love, his purpose, and his grace. So even, even if you are smart, rich, powerful, influential, God can still save you in spite of that, but not because of that. And all of this, when properly understood, it, it is humbling, but it's empowering and it's freeing. First, it's humbling because it reveals how even our strength is weakness. Even when we are strong, it's not strong enough. In my selfishness, I sometimes want God to be impressed with my intellect, my effort, you know, my strength. I, I want God's praise from all of that, but he doesn't give praise because of those things. It's not about our effort while it's still valuable to give our best to God. It's because no one is righteous, not even one, and no matter what we do, no matter what we attempt, we are still without worth apart from Christ. But when he looks at us, when Jesus Christ, because of Jesus Christ, when God looks at us, he sees his son. He sees us as sons and daughters of God. It means that when God calls you, he's not looking for status, power, intellect from you. He's looking for a willing heart. He chose you knowing full well that you weren't perfect. And that is really good news. Um, but he calls you anyway. He's calling you right now, wherever you're at, whatever you've been up to, because of who he is and how he sees you as a son or daughter. And this is really good. Um, the world's best couldn't grasp the true wisdom of God. They looked at the cross. They looked at Jesus and they did not see anything of value. Yet God, in his wisdom and insight, allowed this lowly, unfortunate, kind of terrible event actually be flipped on its head. And Christ crucified is now God's power and wisdom 
in the world. And we get to participate in that. We get to be a part of this foolishness. In our weakness, he is strong. So not only is it humbling to realize that God is not impressed with your wealth, your status, your power, but it's empowering because we operate within his limitless resources of grace and power. We are not alone in our efforts in this life. God, by his spirit, in Jesus Christ, is everything we need. He's everything you need. The power of God is not, is not through eloquence or human wisdom. And this is good. This is great news. And it combats our self-doubt. Um, whether you think yourself highly, think highly of yourself or you think lowly of yourself, God is not interested in any of that because God looks at you as a son or a daughter. I, I can't help but think of the prodigal son story where there's the two lost sons. The older son is lost in his belief of having achieved righteousness and the distance that he creates from the father because he's like, I've been working hard, I've been doing everything right and I deserve a feast. And so he has this resentment towards his father and a distance from God. And then we have the younger son who goes off and squanders his wealth and does everything and comes back with nothing. Nothing at all. And in that moment, the father embraces the son, puts a ring on his finger, puts sandals on his feet, puts his cloak on, gives back all of the power, authority, and status of a son because of who the father is. Because the son, all he did was come back. He had nothing to offer. This is so beautiful for us because as we have nothing to offer, God gives us everything we need in this life. This is freeing for me and I hope it's freeing for you. 1 Corinthians 1, 30 to 31 says this, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Paul is dismantling, saying, do not boast in people, but if you're gonna boast, we have Christ that we can boast in. We can talk highly of him forever and ever. Earthly wisdom, earthly power, it, it is a tempting thing, and we fight against it all of the time. And I think that's why Paul, in the paragraphs after this, he draws attention and he reminds everyone that he didn't come to them with strength and with eloquence. He came to them in humility and in weakness and in fear and in trembling so that the power of God might be displayed and so that no one could be confused. Oh, it was Paul's wise words that saved us. No, he made sure that that could not be the case. Friends, I'm excited for Danielle to come up and share a little bit more. After she made that video, I turned and I asked if she would share a little bit more of how this passage of scripture and her life in general um, works, has worked out. And so I'm really excited for us to be able to hear what God has to say to us through her. Well, thank you, Trent, for inviting me to come up here this morning and share my heart a little bit with you all. For the past number of years, um, these verses, this passage of scripture has jumped out to me, and God has used them to recenter my perspective and bring hope to my heart. I can identify with all of the more negative adjectives listed in the passage, 
I feel at times foolish, at times weak, at times lowly, sometimes all three of those things all at once. I've had an ongoing battle with anxiety and insecurity, and God has used some very meaningful moments to invite me to trust him more deeply and step out into bigger risk for the sake of his kingdom. And this is, this is just part of my story around that. Those of you who know me a little better have likely heard me speak about my passion for trafficked and exploited people. That passion began very suddenly when I first learned in the 10th grade that slavery still exists in our world. But at the time, at the age of 15, getting what felt like an implanted passion from the Lord for an issue that was so huge and is so huge in magnitude was actually mostly just cause for frustration in my life. I remember telling my dad, I feel like I have all of the passion and none of the power. I felt so small and adequate and foolish about it all. But God said to me, Danielle, there is purpose in the waiting. Don't waste this time. So I didn't. I read everything that I could about it and talked to anybody who would listen. And then a few years later, I had an opportunity to throw myself into ministry with sexually exploited women on the streets. This was a learning time for me in a totally different way, still in completely over my head, feeling like a naive, sheltered Christian kid with no clout um, with anyone who had experienced trauma or abuse or was experiencing trauma or abuse. And yet God has surprised me often as I have shakily stepped out in obedience to his call in my life. And he's done some pretty wild things. Um, one story, one night I was leading an outreach team on a stroll, which is what an area of known street prostitution is called. This, is, this started as a fairly normal night, except that earlier that week, I had received a phone call from a police officer who worked uh, as a beat cop in that neighborhood. Um, and she had given me a brief physical description of a woman, we'll call her Emily, who had approached her requesting connection to services that would help her exit the sex industry. The officer told me that she was working getting Emily a bed and she hadn't been able to locate Emily since they'd had that initial conversation to let her know that the ball was rolling and they were working on getting her out. So she called me to ask if I would keep an eye out for her when we were on the stroll. And then so that we could pass on the message and provide contact information um, so that she, Emily, and the officer could chat again. So back to this night, my team and I were connecting with other women on the streets that we had been building relationship with over the months and walking and praying over the area like we normally did. And unusually for, for us, we usually stuck together as a pretty close-knit crew as we walked around. But for some reason, as we were crossing a parking lot, I, I fell behind from the rest of the group. Um, and then out of nowhere and crystal clear, I heard my name called, Danielle, from somewhere behind me. And without even thinking about it, automatically I just turned around and started walking to where I had heard my name. And again, without any hesitation, I walked right up to a semi-trailer truck um, that was parked in this, um, in this parking lot. And I saw a woman in the passenger seat. She was clearly in the middle of working, but I walked up to her window and I asked her if her name was Emily. She was noticeably surprised <laughs> that I knew her name but confirmed that that was who it was. 
I spoke to her about the work that was being done to get her off the streets, and she let me actually pray with her, holding her hand out the window of this huge truck. And she was so touched and so grateful, and I walked away completely stunned by what had happened. There was nothing normal about this interaction. I had never met Emily before. I didn't know what she looked like except for that brief physical descri description that I had gotten. But God um, literally called me, turned me around, and brought me to this woman who needed to be encouraged in that moment. God uses us when we feel weak or uneducated or unqualified or too young or too old. And this is a daily choice that we get to make. It's not certainly, uh, certainly not something that easily comes to me. I remember one very important moment a few years ago in the midst of a time when I was wrestling heavily with apathy and insecurity. And I remember doing something and looking at myself in the mirror and I heard the Lord speak to my heart and say, you need to take yourself seriously because I do. That floored me and brought me to a place of repentance for belittling his power in me. You know, sometimes when, um, when his, his words say something to us and his spirit says more to our spirits, that, that was that kind of moment. But that's something that I have to relearn again and again and again. And it doesn't matter how young or inadequate that I feel. If God calls me, he will qualify me. And my job is just to say yes. This is an extremely timely word for me right now, too. I know that the fire in my heart for exploited people is not necessarily the fire that is in your heart, and that is so okay, but I want to invite you to join me in this so that we can learn together. What stirs up a holy discontent in you because of the broken world that you see around you? What if we took a prayerful look at those things deep inside of us and instead of discounting ourselves and saying, oh, I'm too, too young, too old, I don't have... Uh, what it takes, I don't know enough, we actually just started to take ourselves seriously because what that actually means is that we're taking our God seriously. We will readily say that he is powerful and then we apologize for ourselves and stay in the shadows instead of stepping into scary places and letting our jaw drop as we watch God do unimaginably amazing things through us. Just a little challenge for you and me, one that I also really need to be taking to heart. So I'm going to let Trent come and wrap things up here now, but please, if you have ever any desire to chat with me about what God is stirring in your heart, I would love to hear about that from you. As a church, we can encourage each other. We can call out the beautiful things that we see in each other. We can challenge each other also to step into the big, scary, wonderful, needed places that God is calling us to. Thanks for letting me share today. I feel like there is very little that I, I can add on to that. Um, her, her words, what she is reminding all of us is so critical right now. In the world that we live right now, for, for, two, for two reasons. One is the challenge to all of us. God is calling us to wake up. And it's so easy for us to be... Um, half awake in this world right now when we are disconnected from the rhythms that we are used to that used to give us life and energy. God is inviting us to find new pathways of accessing um, his, his 
compassion and his fire for our lives. Whether that's more phone calls or more interactions, more walks, more whatever it might be, God is desiring for us to grow in our interaction with him, for us to water our malnourished lives so that we can have the fire that he has called us to live in. This is a beautiful thing. And then the second thing that she mentioned that I think is really important is her specific, specific call. This is not found in our, in our text today, but throughout all of scripture, it is clear that God desires deeply for us to combat injustice um, and combat injustice through se- with sexual exploitation, to fight against that. And I don't know if you've been in touch with the news recently, um, but the world has heard and experienced a lot of confusion, frustration, and sadness over several key Christian leaders. Christian leaders that we put our trust in, Christian leaders that um, we propped up, Christian leaders who had power, wealth, status, success, high intellect, all of these earthly things that gave them a platform that allowed them to be very untouchable. And God has um, help, is helping us to see how important it is for us, for all leaders, to have the accountability, that the community around them, so that nobody can be higher up than they think. It is a travesty what has taken place in the news recently um, with Ravi Zacharias. It's a, it is so heartbreaking for us to have that kind of external representation of the Christian faith. But it is so critical for us in our own small ways, that in our own small communities, to not stand for injustice, but for us to act, and act with not our own strength, but to act in the strength that God gives us through Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit desires to do a great work through each and every one of us. And I would encourage you to not count yourself out, to not disqualify you. God has called you. He will qualify you. Doesn't matter if you think that you're weak, dumb, poor, young, old, broken, past, all of those things do not have to be the reasons. They aren't reasons. Allow God to speak and whisper his affection into your life, even right now, and remind you of the words that he has spoken over your life. Some of you have had a calling since childhood that you need to obey. And it's just been, you've been too busy. I, I encourage you that let today, let this week, let this season be a season where we say yes again to the hard things that God calls us. He's gonna be with us. He's not gonna let you do it on your own. He is powerful and mighty and it is a beautiful thing to be in step with God and in his will and walking in obedience to his call. So may this passage of how he chooses the weak things to shame the strong things be a reminder to all of us. None of us are without excuse. None of us have excuses. We can do this together with God. Let me pray and then we'll be, we'll be done. Heavenly Father, Lord, sometimes when I just talk directly to you, you make me have emotions and it's hard to get through things um, to my friends. Heavenly Father, you are worthy of praise. And you have a call on each of our lives to live, th- to live it out. And Lord, if we have been holding back, 
If we have been reticent because of the, our, our present circumstances or the things that we say about ourselves or the things that others have said about us, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would wipe those lies from my friends' minds and that they would hear your voice clearly, your voice of affection, your voice of calling, your voice asking us to repent of those things that we've done wrong, but to not let our past define us. Lord, I am so excited for the good work that you always do. Help us to be a part of that. Lord, what an adventure to be able to participate in your kingdom. May we not be watchers, cheering from the sides, but right in it, cheering each other side by side. And Lord, I ask that you would call us as an entire church faith, as an entire community, to dig deep and to start fighting harder and harder against sexual exploitation and the imbalance of power and the dangers that causes and the abuse that that causes in the lives of those that are vulnerable. Lord, we must stand with the weak and the vulnerable and the hurting. That is your gospel. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and for your grace. Thank you for your kindness. We love you and we need you. Amen. Friends, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for participating, um, whether at home or here in our church right now. Um, God bless. Go in peace. Amen.